Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term, sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. I am so pleased today to have my close colleague and close friend, Blair Smith, joining us today. As a licensed marriage and family therapist, a somatic experiencing practitioner, and a certified group psychotherapist, Blair's approach is holistic, emphasizing the interconnections between the mind and body, emotions, and behaviors. While working with individuals, couples, and groups, she integrates modern psychoanalysis, somatic experiencing, and interpersonal neurobiology, finding this integrated approach the most effective way to treat trauma, depression, and anxiety. After completing her master's in clinical psychology from Antioch University, Los Angeles, Blair trained at the Pacific Gestalt Institute, followed by a postgraduate psychoanalytic program at the Los Angeles Institute and Society for Psychoanalytic Studies. In 2009, she began her formal training in somatic experiencing. As a certified group therapist, Blair has advanced training in group dynamics and leads ongoing therapy groups incorporating SE principles. Beyond her practice, Blair presents quarterly at Teen Line here in Los Angeles on the topics of trauma and grief and loss, locally and nationally on the topic of somatic group psychotherapy, and assists SE trainings in Southern California and Sydney, Australia. For the past five years, Blair has been training and leading somatic experiencing groups for young immigrant high school students in downtown Los Angeles. Welcome, Blair Smith. Today, I am very pleased to welcome my friend and my close colleague, Blair Smith. Blair is absolutely an expert in somatic experiencing and is really my go-to person when it comes to helping anybody who is going to benefit from SE, which is how we abbreviate somatic experiencing. Today, what we're going to be doing is talking about somatic experiencing in a way that will help you have some takeaways and some experience of what it's like to get to know a way to regulate your nervous system. But I'm going to leave it to Blair to explain to us more in detail about what all of this means. Thank you so much for joining us today, Blair. Oh, thank you for having me, Andrew. It's such a pleasure. It's my pleasure. And, and what I wanted to start off with just to dive right in, because not everybody listening knows what somatic experiencing really is. So could you start just by sharing a little bit about what it's really about? Sure, sure. Um, the basic principles of SC, or somatic experiencing, um, came across from the founder, Peter Levine. He was really fascinated um, by the idea that animals in their natural habitat, they don't experience post-traumatic stress syndrome. 
meaning that they're under threat all the time. Every moment of the day, they're either a prey or they're going to be eaten. And so there's this natural, he, he observed, realized that they have this natural way of kind of discharging a lot of the energy that is streaming through their bodies when they're under threat. And there's various ways in which they do that. But the bottom line is, is that they get to kind of hop off after they've been chased and have no residue from that experience at all. If they did, they would not survive. And as homo sapiens, as people, we actually have the same mechanisms, except that we have another part of our brain that overrides our ability to naturally kind of discharge um, this activation. So, so SC focuses on more of our body sensations and helping regulate um, an aspect of our nervous system, the autonomic part of our nervous system, which regulates basically our heart rate, everything we don't have to think about, you know, our heart rate, our, our breathing, our um, pupil dilation, um, sweating, hormone secretion, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the basics of it. It's a very, it's not talk therapy. We go straight into the body. We work off of more positive stimuli than, say, negative. You, one doesn't have to tell me their story. All we need is a tiny little piece to get some type of activation. Mm. And then we simply, um, invite the client in which... I'm actually hoping today, mm-hmm. Andrew, that maybe we can, since it's such an experiential model, it's hard to t- actually talk about. So maybe you and your listeners can kind of follow along and kind of get an, a, a taste of what SE is like. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And if I'm hearing you correctly, in a sense, animals are smarter than humans in the sense that they they seem to be able to work with the charge differently. And, and, and you said that as people, we override, the brain overrides yeah. what the natural processes that animals actually go through. Right. Animals are incredibly sophisticated. We really undervalue their intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, part of this is, I use this example all the time with my clients. You know, I, my office is in Largemont. It's this very busy walking street and so if you're walking down the street and you trip and fall most likely you're going to get up right away and you're going to be like yeah I'm cool I'm cool I'm cool and you like walk off meanwhile there's shock there's all this charge in your system oftentimes people start tripping they run into things they're basically not in their body anymore Mm -hmm. we're doing that because there's a front of our brain the neocortex is this part of our brain that has this rational mechanism it's something that the animals the mammals in their natural habitat like lions and tigers and bears Mm -hmm. they don't have this this part of their brain Mm -hmm. so this it we have advantages with it Mm -hmm. and there's also disadvantages and that's what overrides this natural rhythm in which they have Sure. So somatic experiencing is really a feeling of an experience that offers clients 
a different way to discharge this energy that gets stored. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to swing back to is this idea of trauma healing, because I understand the website of somatic, the somatic experiencing Institute is traumahealing.com. And so can you talk a little bit about what trauma really is and, and, and start to help us understand what direction we're going to, we're going in, in terms of trauma healing, especially when we're talking about addictions, because I always say that addictions and trauma are usually inseparable. Mm -hmm. Sure. So trauma from an SE perspective is not an event and it's actually the residue or the impact in the nervous system. So it resides inside of us. It's not outside of us. Um, as an example, if you and I experienced or witnessed a car crash, your system and your, you're going to activate and react to that differently than I am based on my own history and your history, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's the really important key piece is trauma is really anything that is left unprocessed that was too much at the time. So I focus on developmental trauma a lot in my practice. So that would be anything from childhood that, um, you know, a young child was in an environment that the conditions were such that they had to start adapting. And their nervous system is actually the thing that starts adapting mm -hmm. to the environment for survival. Um, so the nervous system or the autonomic nervous system is, is really has a lot of wisdom to it. Absolutely. Yeah, there are these. Do you want me to explain the autonomic nervous system? I was wondering if you could share just a little bit about that and, and possibly the triune model, because I think there's something that our listeners would benefit from to, to get a little bit of background. Sure. So this is another part of SC. What we're doing is we're focusing in on the brainstem. So the triune brain model is a very simplistic and way of looking at the brain and trauma. Um, it by no means the only mechanisms involved, but we're going to look at just these three. So we have the brain stem, which is the most primitive part of our brain. It's the first part of our brain that's developed and the one that is similar to other mammals. Mm -hmm. And then we have the limbic system, which is kind of the home for emotions and memories. And then the neocortex, which is our rational thought. And language comes from there. This mm -hmm. is the unique part mm -hmm. of people, persons, homo sapiens. Um, so what with SE, just like those animals, through the body, we're going to focus in on the amygdala, that brain stem, that primitive part of the brain, and learn how to actually speak to it through mm -hmm. the body. Mm -hmm. So, um, So that communication to the amygdala is really essential for the healing process to, to begin. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I also want to say that as I'm sitting here listening to the ideas of, of the brain, which are not always easy to understand, I'm actually feeling kind of soothed because I, I really get how important it is just to normalize and understand how trauma and the brain and the autonomic nervous system are, are all part of 
just being human, right? It's part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing you talk about it because I really get a sense of, wow, so we all go through this. This is not something that's unique to me. It happens at different times through different events, um, sometimes more specific traumatic events and sometimes more developmental. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why don't you share a little bit of what you mean by the experiential work that you do with your clients? And if you'd like to just segue into uh, anything that you would like to share with me and Sue, who's here with us today, and all of our listeners. Sure. So what I would like to do, I was thinking a lot about this, Andrew, and, you know, the topic of your book, and how important self-regulation is as far as sobriety. Um, And so I wanted to talk a little bit and maybe invite you to experience some SE. I would love that. I'd love the listeners to tune in and, and follow along as well. Great. So one of the wonderful ways of working with um, activation, which can be anything that one feels kind of agitated or irritated or scared, or there's all this stuff that starts happening in the body during these times, and people often cognitive functioning, their heads, their uh, thoughts are really fast and they're getting really stressed. That's a sign of some type of <laughs> activation, right? So because basically there's this, there's two tracks to it. And there's one track, which is the sympathetic track, which is like an accelerator. And then there's the parasympathetic track, which is like a break. And so when those tracks, when they're in this nice kind of symbiotic rhythm with one another, it's like if you took your hand and just started making this little wave in front of you, that's the rhythm in which when you feel calm and relaxed and when you feel safe. And so if there's some type of trigger or you get agitated or scared or something, that sympathetic track, that accelerator is going to hit kind of go into on position, and you're going to start escalating and getting out of that nice rhythm. And that range of that rhythm really varies for everybody, the high part and the low part. And we call that the window of tolerance. And so if that accelerator is on and you're exceeding outside of that window of tolerance, you're going to start experiencing kind of some anxiety or fear or anger or rage or sleeplessness some of those are the symptoms on the high end on the low end it's more of a flatter affect uh, you might feel really tired chronic fatigue falls into that uh, depression numbness disassociation things of that kind on the low end and so for, for us to learn how to self-regulate, we will really need to be curious and mindful of that range of motion, that wave. What is our wave? And how do we keep that wave within that window of tolerance, right? And so, Andrew, right now I want to invite you and the listeners to simply, like we do this through our body, right? So I'm going to invite you just to focus in, if you're sitting down in a nice chair, to focus in on your feet, just your feet planted on the floor. And there's no right or wrong way of doing this, right? Just bring your attention to your feet and just notice 
you know, does it feel, your feet feel heavy? Do you notice maybe that your toes are up and your heels are down? You're maybe more on the outside versus the inside of your foot. You also might be aware of your shoes around your feet and what that feels like, right? Just taking a moment, taking that in. And then from there, moving up and just noticing the back part of your leg, the parts that are making contact with the chair and your sitting bones. And just as you're doing that, you're taking a much deeper breath. And that's that's a sign of some down regulation. And then from there, and for anybody else listening, it's just checking in on your back and the back against the chair. Right. This is a beautiful way of just saying hello and checking in with your body. You know, it's not meant to necessarily do anything, but naturally, just by slowing down and tuning in, there's often some down regulation. Right. So from now, I want to invite you, Andrew, just share, if anything, if you notice any other sensations in your body at the moment. I definitely noticed the change in the breath. Mm-hmm. I noticed my breath slow down. I noticed my deep breath, a deeper exhale. And for me, that's often a clear-cut sign that from head to toe, there's a, a more of a sense of well-being and relaxation and calmness. Mm-hmm. And what I also am aware of is that I'm surrounded by a lot of love today. Mm-hmm. And because I have two of my best buddies with me, and not to mention my canine best buddy, there's something that just warms my heart. And actually, I can mm-hmm. feel the warmth in my neck as mm-hmm. I say that as well. Mm-hmm. So would you be willing? That's beautiful. And I actually noticed your skin tone just changed. There's a little bit more color in your face right now, right? So maybe just taking your hand, if you'd be willing, and just putting it on your chest, that area where you felt the warmth, right? And this is a really wonderful way of just kind of, again, self-soothing. You can regulate it, right, by more pressure or less. There might be a temperature. It might feel warm. It might feel cool. Right. And just kind of savoring that warmth. Right. So what we're looking at is really expanding our capacity for goodness by taking in the more pleasant sensations and savoring them. Because we're hardwired to go to the negative. Mm-hmm. It's what helps keeps up keeps us alive and survive. Right. So it's really easy to go there. Much harder to actually experience the good stuff so what's happening now in your body if anything yeah i'm just noticing my heartbeat because my hand is on my heart Mm -hmm. and how it feels more even to me Mm -hmm. i was also thinking and this isn't a body answer Mm -hmm. but i've been thinking a lot about self-compassion and there's some talk nowadays about radical self-compassion and um, and how if I don't stop 
and give myself these moments to savor and to really notice and, and be curious about what my body is doing, I can just be a human doing 24 seven. And so there's something about just slowing down for a moment and reminding myself how simple it can be to just pay attention and, and, and focus on what it's like to have a deeper breath and be surrounded by love and, and let my body respond to that in, in such warm, fuzzy ways. Yeah, you have actually, you're, you're, you have a, a very resilient body and system. You've done a lot of SC work, right? So you have an amazing capacity to hold on to the really good, loving feelings. You're very fortunate in that way because a lot of folks, they don't have that ability, mm-hmm. right? It's very fleeting, and they yearn for it, but it's really hard to actually feel and experience it. I want to run something by you that goes mm-hmm. along with that. So the idea of the window of tolerance is such a beautiful place, right? It's that mm-hmm. place of well-being and buoyancy and regulation. A lot of folks, especially in earlier recovery from various type of addictions, including out of, out of control sexual behaviors, Uh, don't know what that's like to be there. And so they may be in the infancy of starting to come back online with what their bodies are saying to them. Mm -hmm. And my hunch, and I, I would love your opinion on this, is that if somebody is able to self regulate or regulate over time, chances are their vulnerability to relapse is going to diminish Mm -hmm. and vice versa. If somebody is having a lot of trouble making that connection between brain and body, their vulnerability to relapse is is that much greater. Maybe we could touch on a little bit, just expand that because there's one thing from kind of you're in newly new stages, early stages of recovery and then this I- idea of self-regulation. Mm-hmm. And I have my hand up here. There's one over on, you know, they're far apart. And how do you get there? Yeah. Right? How do you get there if you actually, your body's a threat and you can't really tune in, right? So there's also ways of working. Like there's these little steps. And just the first is just to start becoming curious, understanding that there's no right or wrong. And start just tuning in and being aware of what is actually happening when you are feeling activated. Just starting there. And then we use these terms called resourcing, which is really wonderful. There's simply, there's external and internal ones where it can be a memory. These are all anything that can bring on a sense of well-being. So it could be a positive memory from a vacation. Maybe there's a favorite place. I love the beach. Use all your senses. So as an example, like when I'm at the beach, I can imagine myself laying there on the sand. The sun is warm on my skin. The smell of the sea, the breeze, all of that is this natural way, just through my imagination, that will bring on that brake track of the autonomic nervous system. Right, So there's immediately some down-regulation just by the thought. Right Now, if you do have access to your body, then you can imagine what it feels like in your body. 
or even what it's like in the present when you're imagining it. It's pretty simple. Right? Is this something that you do in the office with your clients? All the time. Mm-hmm. Early, particularly, you know, I, I, I consulted for an outpatient program, a recovery program for a while. And most of the work there was resourcing. And I would think about it like the old index cards, nobody uses them anymore. But it was like I wanted to get in these index cards full of all these resources for folks. And they'd have like a little basket or a box imaginary sometimes they'd actually put them on their phones because they could be photographs pictures of pets friends things of that nature that you can just call on anytime you feel uncomfortable and it's going to bring on some self-regulation so it's truly a practice absolutely something that someone can learn in the office but can bring home and somehow integrate it into their day Mm mm-hmm so I know resourcing is such a fundamental part of SE. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about some of the other exercises that help folks regulate. Sure. One of the um, main one that I start often when when a client comes in the office and they've just come off, you know, traffic trying to get um, to the appointment on time is we'll orient to the environment. And this is, again, a very natural uh, way in which all mammals um, create safety for themselves. And so I just invite you, even now, Andrew, to just look around the room and slowly glance around and see if you find anything that's kind of pleasant, catches your eye. And anyone listening can do the same. And just spend a couple moments just kind of taking it in and then moving on to something else. There's one thing is just by shifting the focus, so there's some mindfulness involved, our brains can actually only think about one thing at a time. And so just by simply dropping in and focusing on something Sometimes I have them describe the lamps in my office or a plant. But as they're doing that, they're not able to think about whatever was bothering them. It's almost like what I would call a positive distraction in a way. It's like shifting the focus. Absolutely. And then my brain can only be processing so much exactly mm-hmm. exactly so that's one it's just orienting i love that one by yeah. the way because it's interesting again the wisdom of the eyes mm-hmm. took me where they wanted to i i actually don't always do this and here i am in a very familiar setting and yet my eyes got really turned on to a couple mm-hmm. of places that i don't always pay attention to or take for granted, right. actually. And often things, colors seem more brilliant. Focus, you're more in focus. Things seem sharper, right? There's there's um, this wonderful way of being more present with yourself and the environment. So that's, that's orienting. That's one idea. Another one is when you're driving in a car and you're getting a little stressed out in traffic. I don't know anything about that. I know, nor do I. Is simply glance around 
and I love nature. So just start locating nature. It could be simple as trees. It could be some plants. Um, anything green is an example. And here in Los Angeles, we, we unfortunately are deprived of green on our freeways. So, so it's almost like a game. Let's call it tonations of green. <laughs> Depending on the so-called season. Yes. Right. 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 But, but, but there's something kind of fun about it. I mean, we're, we're inside right now, but I'm kind of excited to go driving and, and seeing just, what, what's out there because I, mean, I don't pay attention. Sometimes I'm in this highway hypnosis and it's just not really attuned. Right, right. So, so that's, that's a lovely one for the car. You can also just start paying attention to your hands on the steering wheel, right? Your, your sitting bones on the seat, your foot on the floor or on the pedal, right? Just simply just tuning into your body in the present. Um, slowing down is really key to healing. And so all of these things just help us slow down a bit and tune in um and I'm trying to remember the other ones the jaw oh thank you i love the jaw because when i check in with my jaw it's almost always tight and and sometimes clenching right thanks thanks for reminding me andrew right so anytime you're noticing a tense jaw or maybe some restriction in the throat there's simple one no one will even know is you simply take your tongue and slowly rotate it a few times to the left and pause and then a few times to the right and pause and again just see the experiment just see what happens maybe it causes you to be more tense then that one's not working then try maybe just opening up, letting your jaw go slack, and closing it. It's not stretching. You don't want to work hard. You just let it open, and then you close it a little bit. And have a few rounds and see what happens. Another thing is, separate from the jaw or the throat, if you notice a lot of activation, you're getting anxious, you maybe want to have these, you're having these fantasies of fleeing, leaving a scene, you know, getting out is simply wiggling your toes or pedaling your feet. And this actually activates the muscles in your legs and tells your body, oh yeah, you're gonna be walking or running. Because part of that activation in our system, just like those animals, which we're, we're not able to do, is that they, they're able to actually put their bodies into action. And so that helps with the discharge but we're stuck. And so we're holding all of this energy. And so, but it's amazing by just simply making subtle movements, it can help downregulate the system. Mm. So wiggling the toes or pedaling the feet mm -hmm. actually is like a freedom mm -hmm. to remind ourselves that we're not frozen. Mm -hmm. Which it's not, it doesn't even go to our, our, the neocortex actually, it goes right into our brainstem immediately we don't even have to be thinking it say more about what the neocortex versus the brainstem really says well so the neocortex is just what you said it's our thoughts yeah it's like oh i am now doing this and this is going to happen right well actually it bypasses that it goes directly to the brainstem 
because immediately the body will start having a reaction. We don't have to think about it. I often really encourage my clients not to think. It's more about feeling. It's more about just exploring the sensation. Mm -hmm. The thoughts get in our way and it kind of um, trips up the process. What I hear you saying is that thinking, the thinking brain, we could call it, can be helpful at times, but oftentimes is a detriment that we want to find some kind of balance between, I call it the emotional brain and the thinking brain or the neocortex and the subcortex. Those are my oversimplified ways of describing Mm -hmm. it. But, But it sounds like what you're offering for your clients is something very different from talk therapy. And I know you mentioned it earlier, but can you say what seems to be the biggest distinction in the way you work with your clients from a somatic experiencing perspective versus a more thinking brain or cognitive perspective? There's real advantages and really important, as you mentioned, um, to utilize our thinking brain. Honestly, most of the clients that come to me have been in talk therapy for a very long time, and they just hit a wall. It's not enough. What kind of walls do they hit? I think kind of stagnant in as far as their progression and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also something, and this is where formal analysis really came in handy, although it is pretty costly and time-consuming, is that with SC and working with the body directly, we are able to access the pre-verbal states that took psychoanalysis, you know, years and years, five days a week. And so that's one of the beauties often is being able to, we go directly to the body, which is just what infants. So all those misentunements and things that happened early on, we're able to get right in there and work with them directly right away. Not a lot of my clients actually know that or realize that, right? But it's also, it's not even like, I don't even like to think about it as a split so much as an expansion, right? So we're just not taught about the body and the wisdom of our bodies. And so that's all we're doing is just expanding kind of one's experience, we got the talk therapy down. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to try exploring this other part, large part of our being mm-hmm. through our body and our sensation and getting really curious and knowing this tremendous resource for our recovery, for our healing, for our well-being. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can relate to this, but I want to remind our listeners that when I first started working as a therapist. It was all about thoughts and feelings. That's how I was trained. Mm-hmm. And that was helpful. There's there's something valuable about building awareness and understanding and learning our patterns and our themes of our lives. It's all part of the foundation. But when I started working somatically and started asking questions like, what do you notice happening physically at this moment? Or when you say that, what's happening in your body? It changed the course of my clients' awareness of of themselves, 
of the fact that they have a body mm-hmm. and and that it's valuable and communicates to them all the time. Mm-hmm. And as we're winding down, I'm wondering if you can say anything about what you've noticed in terms of maybe the greatest value that that SE has brought to your clients and and to your clinical toolbox, so to speak. Big question, Andrew. I know. Um, You know, it's so hard for me to describe because really it's such a beautiful experience to watch people um, really have radical shifts. And it looks different for each person, but it can be as simple as uh, somebody, right away, A, you get to walk away with some tools, right? It's right portable. Away, right there. They, there's something actually tangible with mm-hmm. a felt sense. It's not in our minds. It's not in our imagination. That's all thoughts are. So there's actually this lived experience that I think is very powerful for people. But as simple as somebody who can actually stay more present for their child and have their child reflect back, God, Dad, you know, you seem a little different now. Like, I really like hanging out with you. Whereas before that client or that father was in such a fearful state that he'd have trouble staying present. Everything was a threat, including his children. Right? So subtle things like that. Or as simple as I actually was on the phone with a potential group client because I in- incorporate somatic experiencing into my group yesterday. And um, this person was going to go have a meeting with their manager and she was already getting really upset and activated around it. So we simply went through the exercise that we did today and immediately her mind starts opening up and that's the beauty of that wave state your mind and imagination gets to open up. And she started imagining how that conversation was going to go, and it was going to be more of a positive outcome to that that conversation. Beautiful. So, I mean, those are like just a couple examples. I could go on and on. and But it's there's something very um, powerful about it's integrated and it's and it's an integrative modality right so it's not just in your head it's an, it's again it's a lived experience that starts altering how you walk through your life gives you more options for one that's a huge piece of se i am just so grateful for you joining us today and i also want to welcome our listeners to learn more about somatic experiencing and to ask questions and to find your local SE practitioners because it, it truly is a profound process. And especially in recovery, it's, it's such a wonderful addition to the more traditional approaches to working with addiction recovery. So I thank you all for being here today. In this podcast, we took a closer look at somatic experiencing and how it helps individuals regulate their nervous systems. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes, or please share our podcast on Spotify. And if there's any other topics you would like us to discuss in the future, please let us know. And I look forward to you joining us on all of our future podcasts, and thanks again for being with us today.